Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast, and about the time it takes to commute to work. My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And this week, we are really excited to bring to you a review of First Man. Are you sure? Yeah. Be an adventure. First man to walk on the moon. That'd be something. We've chosen a job so difficult, requiring so many technological developments. We're going to have to start from scratch. And that's from the trailer of First Man. Um, Nathan, what did you think in a couple minutes, spoiler free? Were you excited about this film? I was very excited going into this film. Um, Damien Chazelle is the director, and he's got two feature films under his belt. He's relatively new at this. The first being Whiplash, which... Uh, got nominated for four Oscars and won one of them. His second movie ever was La La Land, which got nominated for 12 Oscars and won six of them, including he got uh, Best Director, I believe, that year. So I was very excited to see another outing by him. Um, returning are his team of Linus Sandgren, who was the DP for uh, La La Land, won Best Cinematography as well, so he's back. Uh, His lead actor from La La Land is back, Ryan Gosling, and he brought in his music team as well from La La Land, Justin Justin Hurwitz. Um, So, very excited, obviously, with the minds behind this. Um, And I I still don't know how I feel about this movie. It is not, not in the same way that I might feel conflicted about whether or not a movie is good or bad by other standards. Mm-hmm. This movie is definitely better than the past few movies that we have gone to see. Um, at least together. I've seen a couple together. that you haven't yet that are yes. pretty Yes. I have a few more on my list to, to get to in the next couple of weeks. And so I, I enjoyed the ride. It was, it was a good movie. Um, there's just... I fight myself on whether or not I think it's a masterpiece or just fell short. Hmm. Um, That's strong language. Masterpieces. Well, in the sense that a lot of people would, uh, you compared some of it to Terrence Malick. And I think, I think he might've been going for something that's more like that for something that's just a personal journey and trying to, to just kind of see behind a man that we all kind of know for, you know, uh, historic books. deeds yeah. and just look at maybe the internal conflict that was going on in some of his life and I think it might might have succeeded but also maybe not and sure. so I'm still kind of fighting that battle in my own brain like how I feel about it I enjoyed it it was a beautiful film it was it was edited far better than you know Venom or uh, Predator uh but also to be expected, different type right. of film. Different type of film, and I just don't know if it quite succeeds where it was going. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into kind of specifics about why I feel the way that I feel. But I feel that if you are interested in film, specifically um, either Damien Chazelle's directorial journey or just learning about film, this is a good film to study. 
because hmm. if you think you got it right, if you think he got it right, it's a great film to study. And if you think he got it wrong, it's also a good film to study to try and figure out why. So I'm going to be watching this again a few more times at least and talking about it for a long time to try and figure out what's going on. So Matt, yeah, in what short, did you think? Uh, I am, I was fairly conflicted. I think the, the film ended with, without any spoilers. I, I think I felt things, I felt different things than I expected going. My expectations were um, closer to that of an Apollo 13 kind of film like a suspense thriller uh, oh i wouldn't i don't know if i would say like suspense thriller i think apollo 13 is is a drama but i, I just meant like the the high elation and joy and like this feeling of they accomplishment yeah. and all, all these things uh that you leave apollo 13 feeling very like uh fulfilled mm-hmm. almost and proud even of being American or proud that these people that human like, beings were yeah, able, were to, able do. to do these things yeah. um, in the midst of such de- devastating like odds <laughs> uh, this film was quite a bit different so if, if, if you go see this movie which I, I think we would both recommend like if, if you care about space exploration the Apollo 11 mission at all a landing on the moon history like any of those things like this is a film worth watching uh but do not expect a certain type of film i think you'll be disappointed so i I don't know if i was disappointed but i i left feeling very differently than i had expected to Mm -hmm. if that makes sense gotcha um without spoiling anything I, i thought um ryan gosling did a great job as usual i think he has a a way of portraying unique and just slightly off characters off not maybe it's not the right term but i I think he uh had some uh small idiosyncrasies down that would be difficult for uh just a a less experienced actor or Mm -hmm. less skilled actor and we had been talking last week during the venom review about uh, Tom Hardy and how he's just really good at becoming a mm-hmm. a character mm-hmm. that he creates and kind of creates this really deep kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ryan Gosling is a more nuanced character. Like, I I never feel like Ryan Gosling is gone in his characters, right. but I do feel like he is really good at giving it something that is almost unnoticeable until you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's. I think that's talent. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was beautiful at times. Uh, I was frustrated with it at times. But I think maybe I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm still working through some of the things um, like yourself. So, yeah, overall positive, but also very much thinking it. Right. Back, thinking about it in the back of my head. And, I mean... One of the one of the things. So uh, one of my friends got to shoot, uh, was running cameras for an interview that he did in L.A. Hmm. Um, yesterday, and he was kind of going through his kind of train of thought, if you will, behind the creative process. And basically, he took his creative team and he sat them down and they watched like all the space movies ever, wow. like two thousand one and Apollo thirteen, and they like they watched the things. Yeah. And then he told them, whatever made these movies great, I don't want any of it. 
in my movie. I want it to be different. I don't want it to be like <laughs> another space movie. Okay. And so in that sense, I think he kind of succeeded. Like, yeah. just in the sense that you were saying, like, I didn't come out feeling like Apollo 13, like, we did it. Yeah. Like, you come out feeling like, okay, spoilers, we make it to the moon. Uh, How could you? <laughs> well, listen, if you've been living I'm under sorry, a rock I'm since 1969. <laughs> so, you know, obviously the, the mission itself succeeds, like, factually. But at the end, you're kind of sitting there going like, did we? This, this Did we succeed? Like, it doesn't make you feel happy about that because that's not what the movie's about. Right. The movie's about him. him and his journey through that. And that's just a backdrop of facts about what was going on in his life during that time. Right, right. It's, it's almost as if you took any given person uh, who ends up finding themselves in a situation of great accomplishments mm-hmm. And you're just taking vignettes of their life. And you'll just like check in, check in, check in, check in over the period of like five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And then you're given this, you're, you get the story at the end. It's almost like they, they did it kind of documentary style. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we're going to set the camera in your home. Just do normal life and we're just going to record you for a little bit. And then they did that. And then they went with him to the office the next week and like recorded him working a problem. And then the... You know, stylistically, I kind of felt like it was somewhat documentary-esque, mm-hmm. uh, which led to the Terrence Malick kind of feel. I think, right. At times. And so I think part of where that came from is apparently one of his inspirations was he got a hold of all the family footage, like the Super 8 footage of the astronauts that they recorded while they were living in the NASA neighborhood. Huh. And so that's what he based a lot of the home interactions on, was actual interactions that he saw and read. So yeah, that's cool. So a lot of those moments are semi-realistic in the sense that they're based on moments that he's actually observed the real people doing. Hmm. Um, not truly documentarian is a lot of it has been somewhat condensed and kind of dramatized. Um, and it might not be events that corresponded exactly with the same family that he used, but hmm. a lot of it was there. Um, and I, I, I felt like that too. And a comment that I made to you coming out of the theater is... Um, the movie has two different sides. It has the space side, and then it has the home side. Mm-hmm. And you, you're constantly going back and forth, and the movie's marked by three main moments, the beginning, the middle, and the end, by space. Okay, yeah, yeah. So at the beginning, there's uh-huh. a space sequence. Yeah. In the middle, you have another space sequence, and at the end, you have the Apollo 11 space sequence. Sorry, give me... Uh- so I, I, let's let's talk real quick. I'm I'm having our time remembering the middle one. It was uh, it was um, it was Gemini Eight, the one that um, Armstrong led. So it was the oh, training yeah, yes, the training yes, mission. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Up, uh, yeah. Up, um, Gemini Eight, and then Apollo. It was the 11. practice run of connecting. Yes, the docking. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. We normally have a spoiler session about half of the episode, which is right now, and uh, this one's a little bit different because it is a based on real life. Uh, like, if you don't know the the plot spoilers for you, this, you technically, clearly like, didn't go to American grade school or any grade school. I think most people are. I mean, first man, yeah, landing first on the moon. moon. <laughs> Fair enough. If you went anywhere but in Russia, uh, um. <laughs> So I think 
any spoilers here are strictly with style. So if you mm-hmm. don't care about that, um, which we've already kind of delved into, if if you don't care about that, then continue listening. We're obviously made it to the moon. Like yeah. Um, but I I think that one of the things we can talk about production i think a little bit cinematography was really pretty at times it it felt like two different movies i think i mentioned this to Mm -hmm. you it felt like um the the home scenes and the the work scenes if you will space scenes uh, while he's at nasa and stuff are filmed very differently from each Mm -hmm. other um one is documentary style like steady cam following dad around like playing with his kids kind of thing at home the other one is still steady cam a lot of times, so it's it's handheld. Handheld, yeah. Uh but feels different. It mm-hmm. feels colder. Uh, although the, I'd the say the color palette was very muted at, yeah, at NASA. It was very cool grays, kind uh-huh. of teals and blues. Yeah. And at home it was all yellow. Yeah. It was golden. Yeah. Which I think is fair. It's I mean, fair. you're trying to, yeah, one's homey and one's warm and inviting. It's supposed to be. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how much of this story is actually true to real life. I have not read the book, the biography book that it's based on. So all the cards on the table. I'm not sure what is fact or fiction at this point. Uh, from what I understand, it's fairly accurate to a lot of things. Um, the one spoiler that we can get into later deals with the very end and it deals with yeah. kind of Neil's emotional uh-huh. closing point. Yeah, um, and he, ha- he has a... That's that's uncertain. The book speculates, the movie speculates, and we'll never actually know as far as personal Did you items. Look it up? Yeah, so... Okay, interesting. One spoiler section, you know, jump ahead 20 seconds if you don't want to know this, I guess. Uh-huh. The... When he brings personal items on right. the mission, mm-hmm. those are not disclosed by NASA, and huh. they're not disclosed by the astronauts either. Huh. Um, so Neil never disclosed what yeah, personal items they brought. The movie speculates that he brings the cassette tape mm-hmm. that is the music they're listening to at the beginning of the movie, and that he brings the bracelet with his daughter's name. Yeah. Movie speculation, that's the only thing that's like, we just don't know. Right. The rest of it is supposedly based on true events and then you know there's probably a bit of movie dramatization going on yeah and that's fair like every movie you kind of have to mess with things for for the sense of uh pacing and and, even documentaries do that that with editing to create an emotional roller coaster tension and uh, resolution it's artificial because you're cutting it that's just how it works but um i can respect those artistic choices for the most part i i think i i did not love and i've actually did some research and found that neil armstrong was a fairly stoic and reserved person in general so the portrayal of him on screen as kind of like distance uh and aloof was not horribly inaccurate potentially um what i think that was one of my biggest struggles is i just never felt connected to him mm-hmm like I felt sympathy, but never empathy. Right. Uh, and, and maybe I wasn't supposed to empathize. Ugh, that seems unlikely. I, I, I don't know. Now, granted, all of the characters that Damien Chazelle creates in his own stuff 
are like set apart, people who are set apart. So uh, the drummer from Whiplash is very much like this person who's set apart. You never see him spending time with other people except for his girlfriend with a spoiler alert for Whiplash with whom he breaks up, you know? Yeah, like for like three minutes of the... Yeah, six minutes. He is almost always by himself practicing Mm -hmm. or being yelled at by Fletcher. Or in direct Um, confrontation with the antagonist. Right. Um, So I think maybe that's the kind of character that he's trying to build of like, here's this person who's... It might just be something that he he's attracted to telling stories about individuals like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, I could have also been trying to make us feel distant from him, which makes us sympathize even more as like he is dealing with all these emotions from losing his daughter and now in the space program. Like that is a roller coaster in and of itself. And so like him dealing with all those things and keeping them close to the chest makes us feel like they are heavier. I, f- I almost feel like you weren't supposed to ever get to the point of true empathy with Neil. I feel like it was supposed to just be as if you were able to look in and just mm-hmm. observe what he's going through. And I feel that the other characters that were in the movie were the ones that you had empathy for, but not necessarily mm-hmm. sympathy, if that makes sense. Because yeah. it's about Neil, but you use the other characters to identify with like what's right. going on. So right. the big one, there's three main ones i think the big one would be um his wife um played by claire foy who did a great job um his friend um ed yeah ed i believe and then there's there's two friends of his that die one towards the beginning like one's at the one-third mark and one's at like the two-third mark um Mm -hmm. i don't remember I, i don't remember the other name um so those characters I feel are kind of the kind of the emotional core as far as the ups and downs while Neil is just like right. you just see him getting battered in this sea of life and he just kind of sails through kind of straight and and you just get to watch everything happen to him and you just I th- I think part of it is the comparison of like what he did versus what other people would do in that situation like imagining yourself in that situation versus watching him do what he did and it i think that's part of where the disconnect comes is that he doesn't do almost anything really he just sort of carries on yeah and you're sitting there going how does that not break you and i think that's kind of where the disconnect comes through yeah he's coming out of a generation though of, of this is right i mean not right after world war ii but it is far the, closer to that yeah. than we are, um, or than it was to us. Like, but these were the children of the people that fought the war. Yes, yes. So, right. like, uh, they're intimately connected to it still. Yes, uh, I, I think that is a a generation with a I don't know baggage is not necessarily the right word, but but have experienced one. You have the the Great Depression, and then you have World War Two. And then when you come back, like, you are a different person. And that I think that feeling of self-made American having, like, we are able to, to endure anything after a depression and a world war. Like, you just, that, that impacts your culture. And so I right. think he is a product of that in some ways. Um, I also thought the film dealt a lot with this theme of death. Um, 
And I, I don't know where yeah. we actually came out with that. Uh, like, I, I don't know if we were supposed to learn anything or just watch him battle that. Uh, so, like, in the, in the beginning, immediately we get his, his daughter's death. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, several friends die throughout one of the practice missions prepping for it. Uh, the, the, there was the explosion and fire. And there is like these, the, the story is punctuated by death, 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 death. And I think that made it a harder movie to simply enjoy because right. you're thinking about, okay, we finally get to the moon. Was it all worth it? Right. And it's not like um, a lot of other movies. Death is very common in movies these days, unfortunately. And it's not like many other movies because as you're sitting there hearing about each of these deaths, you have the knowledge that these were actual people that died. Mm -hmm. Like you've just seen somebody hear about this news and you know that somebody actually heard the news like that. Mm-hmm. And that people actually lost friends. It's not like another fictional movie where a death can, you know, punctuate a story moment or a heightened tension. These are yeah. these are also facts as well. And you're just sitting there going, Dang. oh my gosh, yeah. like another Which set of people. is maybe the benefit of doing a documentary style right. story. Right. It, it, it does free Chazelle from the criticism of being light with the death of so many people Mm -hmm. which you you could definitely never ever argue that like he he treats this material with a sense of respect as far as their lives Mm -hmm. are concerned a lot of people there was a bit of lashback about not having the american flag and a lot of a lot of conservatives got mad that they didn't show the reading of uh genesis one um when they were orbiting the moon and you know things that are facts that happened um and i kind of get it but also not really because this movie is not about the facts of the mission. There was a lot of facts about it's the missions about that were reserved. the mission. It really isn't. It, the point of this movie. pertains to America. Right. The point of this movie is not, do we succeed in getting to the moon? Because, spoiler alert, we, got, we know. Yeah. And even Damien Chazelle himself said, like, I wasn't interested in that until somebody sold me on the emotions behind it and, like, the personal journey. Because nobody wants to make a movie where everybody knows the ending already. Right. It's just devoid of tension. It, it's, you, it's about it's the hard. emotional... I think actually now I'm thinking about it out loud now. I'm thinking that maybe the movie is about mourning and about like coming to a peace with with death and loss. Like the, the whole movie is <coughs> um, put in, is bookended by moments with his daughter. And... Uh, it's punctuated throughout. Like every time we have a important pivotal moment in the story, we get a flashback to his daughter, his daughter, his daughter, his daughter, and then at the end, we're referencing like he's he's burying his daughter again as he drops his spoiler alert, uh, drops her bracelet into the crater. Like that is a that is a full story resolution. Now, as I think about it, of here it is on her hand when he's taking care of her while she has cancer. She dies, process, process, process. And he's like dealing with all these emotions as his friends are dying in front of him or around him. Um, and then lets it go into the moon. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that's a, that's a reburial, I think, uh, an emotional symbolic one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's, it's not about 
the the moon at all except it really isn't that's just how it like participates in his mourning process right and i think that's the thing is if this movie were strictly trying to just document the process i would be mad too because those are facts and you've removed them like you've tampered with history but this is not about history Mm -hmm. this is about a person dealing with things and in that sense you don't need like those facts are almost irrelevant and there's a lot of irrelevant facts that surround the whole thing that are kind of stripped away and and that's what makes it feel more like an indie film right it was a large budget oh don't get me wrong but it was it felt very intimate in like low budget sometimes and it was because of the 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 story he's telling is not the big budget like vast like oh going to the moon like these it was it's and it's part of it i blame on the advertising a little bit they kind of sell it as an epic which most most space is epic like 2001 apollo like it's all supposed to be kind of huge and they kind of they kind of went overboard on selling the like moon sequences shot in IMAX and like the tension of the space part like getting to the moon is very prevalent in all the trailers but ultimately it's not actually an important driving force but it is the climax of his emotional story as he reburies his daughter Uh, only in the fact that he happened to do it like the timeline of his his process happened to end when he was on the moon but it's well yeah I don't think the moon actually changed it in that sense. Right. Uh, we should talk about the moon. We're almost at the end here, 25 minutes. Um, let's talk about the moon sequence real briefly. I did not see an IMAX. Uh, we, we saw Unfortunately. It, in, it on a large screen, but not IMAX. The correct aspect ratio. We were missing the we were. tops and the bottoms. Um, Sad. But. Still amazingly beautiful, by the way. The best. Gorgeous. It might have been one of my favorite space sequences ever. Um, I really do kind of want to see it in IMAX just to see that. Agreed. And I think it rivals uh, like Interstellar. Simply because it's it's real. Like obviously they did not go film this on the moon, but it felt like they did. Right, it but really we also know enough like about the moon that we can make it exactly right. the same. I mean, they have lots of pictures now. Right. Yes, it, it was a phenomenal yeah. experience. Deathly silent. So anyone who's who's going to watch it I would love to know, like they did text, a few, uh, like message us or or uh, um, tweet at us because uh, if your the- theater was not deathly quiet, I would be shocked. Yeah, that was one. Of, there's been a few moments in my entire life mm-hmm. when a movie theater has made no noise. Um, one of them was Watch at the. Uh, no, we were talking because we were all mad. Um, in Last Jedi, we were all really angry during the credits because we're like what just happened right but like during the space sequence when they do the the, oh yes that was one of them oh you're talking about the actual movie being silent yes and that's one of the no but everyone the the audience wasn't silent well they were but it was only like five seconds yeah but it's not hard to be silent for five seconds uh this was like (laughs) have you gone to our theaters (laughs) sorry sorry this is a side rip on our audiences here but (laughs) As far as films, this is the longest moment of silence yes, that I've ever seen absolutely. in a film. And I, a lot of science people were kind of happy about this because this movie doesn't fall into a couple of science tropes about mm. things. One of them is uh, physics 
dealing with orbits and speeds, which I was a huge tidbit that they just drop in the middle of the movie, and I was really intrigued by that. Um, but another one is silence in space. There is no sound in space, and they actually hold true to that. When the camera is outside in space, you hear nothing, mm-hmm. period. They don't sound design. They don't music, even. Good. Nothing. And I thought it was very interesting, but I also think it gave sort of a weight to that sequence. Oh, yeah. Our our audience was quiet for five to ten minutes. The whole time. It was it was beautiful. It almost became its own like stressful little moment where it was just so quiet for so long. And then when they finally came back to Earth, I was like... I can like it's one of those things where at least that normally in a situation like that in a in a regular movie that's fiction where you have control mm-hmm. over the story you would expect that to lead to a bad moment when you have like a silence jump scare or... right you you would get something because you can't hear because you're robbed of a sense normally you expect that sense to betray you and then something bad to happen kind of almost like a uh gravity a lot of times when you're outside and you hear silence, the next thing that happens is that something rushes into the frame and destroys something in front of you. Like, that's oh, kind of what you're... gravity. Right. Sorry, I was like... The gravity, force. Yes. Uh, <laughs> when it doesn't happen, what? So, a lot of times that, that deprivation is used to scare you sure. or to create tension. And sure. here, it creates tension, tension accidentally because you're waiting for that moment, which never it's, comes. It's an emotional tension that's built right. this entire time. And then you, you're you not really given clues as to what the emotional end will be. And then when you see it, you're like, oh. Yeah. And then you just kind of sit there and go, aha. And then the rest of the movie is just like releasing that slowly. Yep. I don't think Neil says another thing the rest of the, no, the movie. I don't think so. Actually, they Neil have. doesn't say anything. There is dialogue, but Neil doesn't say anything. Right. All right, so uh, we went a little bit long this time, but uh, First Man, a... Controversial film. It is a controversial film, uh, oddly so. Uh, we were talking expect. about the critic and viewer ratings a little before this. Um, so far, it's been pretty positive. Um, I'm surprised audiences haven't lashed out a little bit because of how dry and, like, not Hollywoody. It feels. Right. It, it, it feels could be very boring indie. to some yeah. people. Yeah, some people may not enjoy it as much because it is such a personal story. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I'll, I'll be interested to see what it does. I don't think it's winning Best Picture. I uh, don't think so. I think there's going to be some competition in the next couple of months. Yeah, we'll... and we'll get to those in the the following weeks. Actually, hopefully, looking ahead, we've got a review of um, Bad Times at the El Royale coming up. So. I should be seeing that this next week yes awesome well thanks so much for listening to this episode of the projected opinions podcast we are live streaming our episode recordings on facebook Uh, so if you're interested in that go ahead and like our page follow for notifications and uh listen to listen and subscribe uh to our podcasts everywhere uh they're available for download yep thank you so much 